Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lambert, career and interview coach and founder of Relaunch Me, where we help you find the work that you were meant to do. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to listen to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. Today, I am delighted to welcome back Nicola Crocco, executive recruiter and co-founder of Melbourne-based recruitment agency, Talent Effect. Some of you may have heard Nicola on a previous episode where we talked about how you can take your interviews to the next level. And Nick, I've had such great feedback on that episode that I had to invite you back. So welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Leah. Thanks for inviting me back. Um, So Nick, I asked you on today to talk about cover letters because I think I get asked several times a week by clients, do I still need to write a cover letter? So I was really keen to talk to you as a recruiter who has to read the cover letters. So first of all, can I just ask you straight out, do recruiters actually read the cover letter? This recruiter definitely reads cover letters, but I also know that there are recruiters who don't. I thought you might say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, just to talk more to that point, that is my whole point about cover letters. Even if there's the smallest chance that the recruiter will read it, then you must write one. Why wouldn't you? Well, that's right, because if a recruiter is looking for a cover letter and you don't provide one, uh, it looks like you don't really care about the role, doesn't it? Or maybe you're a little bit lazy. Exactly, exactly. A cover letter says a lot about a person's motivation, attention to detail, level of interest in the role, the brand, the company. There's a lot that can be read into a cover letter. So tell me, do you read the cover letter or the resume first and why? This is a really interesting question. And Contrary to logic, I actually read the resume first and then I read the cover letter because I want the cover letter to speak and contextualize, speak to the resume and contextualize the experience. And often when I read a resume, I'll have some immediate questions that will then be addressed by the cover letter. So I always read the cover letter second. That's exactly what I used to do as well. So if you are looking at several, say you've shortlisted a couple of clients and their resumes when you compare them are all pretty similar. What exactly are you looking for in the cover letter that may distinguish one candidate from another? And that's a really good point. I think that's where cover letters come into their own. If you're reviewing a few resumes where the experience is very similar, the cover letter can actually make the candidate stand out. So what I'm looking for is quite simply that it's addressed to the right person, the right company, it references the right role, and you'd be amazed at how many cover letters I've read where this is not the case. And I want to see their motivation for applying to the position. And then I would like to see a breakdown of the key selection criteria against their relevant experience. I'm also checking for spelling, grammar, sentence structure, and getting a bit of a feel for the personality of the person and whether they can put that across in the written word. So I know our resume writers, when they write a cover letter for clients, we always do try and keep it to one page. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's 
an appropriate length for a cover letter or um, would it not bother you if it went over a page? I completely agree with you. I think if it's more than a page, you will potentially run the risk of losing the interest of the reader. And if you write succinctly, you should be able to address those key points in one page. Another quick question about the cover letter. Uh, Given that we now upload cover letters usually online and everything is via email, do we still need to put the address for the company? Yes, because it shows a level of detail and care in your application. And if, particularly if you've gone in and you've researched who the actual hiring manager is and you've taken that care to address it to an actual person, it might set you apart from others. Right. So that was leading to my next question. So if someone is not able to find the name of the recruiter or the hiring manager, how would you prefer to be addressed in the letter? I've thought about this. It really depends on your personality. I still see a lot of cover letters that say, dear sir slash madam. I think that that is actually still, it's quite old fashioned, but it is still acceptable. You could say, dear hiring manager. You could be more casual if that's more your style and say, hello or hello there. What do you think, Leah? Well, look, I guess I still think of dear sir, madam, but that's probably because that's what I used to read when I worked in recruitment. And yeah. I've, I've seen dear hiring manager. I think I guess that's, that's fair um, if you can't find the name. What I didn't like, though, was when I worked as a recruiter and I would see, see dear leech instead of Leah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that didn't go down so well. <laughs> It's that attention to detail, right? Yeah. When I was working internally with Allens, which is national law firm, often it would be addressed to Minters or Mallisons or one of our direct competitors, which also, yeah, definitely didn't go down well. Yeah, I've had the same experience being on the agency side. I've opened up cover letters that have been addressed to my competitor for a slightly different role. And you can just see that the candidate hasn't put the care into checking those details and sending the right document. And look, it is such an easy mistake to make, but it's just one that you can't really afford to make, particularly in this current job market. Uh, So tell me, um, we've talked sort of about what you like to see in the cover letter. Our resume writers tend to write cover letters with some bullet points, with some bold headings and uh, keywords that really jump off the page. Do you like to see some bullet points or um, because sometimes people are a little bit horrified that we include bullet points in a cover letter um, because I guess the traditional style is lots of paragraphs. Do you have a preference? My preference is bullet points and subheadings and really addressing those selection criteria with bold highlighted words so that the keywords are standing out. I think um, what what candidates need to realise is a recruiter is scanning and reading volumes and volumes of resumes and cover letters. So the more you can help them visually with getting your key messages to stick out and pop out, the better. So definitely don't be afraid of a subheading and a bullet point because it does, it's much easier on the eye. And another fun fact that I read the other day was around justifying. So apparently it's much easier for your eye to read a paragraph that is aligned left and not justified. 
because your brain can then chunk down the information and see where the thoughts begin and end. And actually, I've since I've learned that fact, I've really noticed that 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 is a that, that is a real thing for me. Mm, interesting. That's a great tip. Mm. Now, a couple of my clients have recently had to submit a video cover letter, mm. um, and I'm someone that I've always found video a bit of a hurdle. It's something that I don't really enjoy, particularly talking into a computer screen when no one's at the other end. Is that something that is becoming more common? Have you seen that or clients asking for that? I haven't had clients asking me for that. But then again, we work within the retail sector and that can often be a more traditional type of sector and that they often don't pour resources into to recruitment practices the way they might in other sectors. I haven't personally seen it, but I know that there is a, a big movement around a lot of the ATSs running webinars around how to incorporate video into your hiring processes. So I feel like it's definitely coming and it's something we need to be prepared for. Mm, I think, look, it will really suit some people. I think particularly those that are very tech savvy and have grown up, mm. you know, taking videos of themselves on TikTok and um, I, I feel for some of the clients that are perhaps, you know, a bit like me who don't really like video and would prefer to sit down and write a traditional letter. But the clients that I was referring to before, I'm pretty sure they were like a startup or a sort of a tech company. So I guess that makes sense. You'd, you'd almost expect it from them. My hope would be in any recruitment process that there could be a balance of the two because in any role, you are going to have to have some pretty good written communication skills and you might be really good verbally but not as strong in the written word and you need to have an opportunity to display that. Definitely. Mm. Um, So can you tell us, Nick, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see when reviewing cover letters? Yes. So as I've mentioned before, one of the most common is that it's not addressed to the right company person and and it's in reference to completely the wrong job and I'll tell you now this might seem a bit cutthroat but if I open a cover letter that's not addressed correctly I just shut it down and move on to the next resume because it says a lot about a person so you Um, wouldn't even look at the resume uh, I would, well, I would have looked at the resume first, right? Cause that's my method. And then I would have gone to the cover letter and thought, oh, this person hasn't even had the care to make sure that it's addressed to the right person and it's referencing a completely different role. So that, that's, that might say a lot about that person. Yeah. Mm. It seems a bit cutthroat, doesn't it? It does, but you know, you're going to hire that person. You would hope that they would be paying a bit more attention. Yeah, and you would hope that in applying for a job, it's it's not something you, you're doing in a hurry. Um, you, you'd be putting care into that process. So you'd hope that that care then translated to writing to the correct person. Mm, okay. <laughs> Number one, what are some of the other mistakes that you see? Um, I see a, a lot of spelling and grammar and structural mistakes, just basic writing errors and that's actually something I use the cover letter for um, quite strongly is to see okay what command has this person got of the English language um, in the written form so that I see a lot of basic errors where you would have expected them to spell check and grammar check 
the document, but they haven't. And then I see the third thing is I see cover letters that are too long. They don't address the key selection criteria and they become quite waffly and they they lose my interest Mm. because of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, I mean, as a recruiter, I always wanted to see that you've actually taken the time to understand what the priorities and the challenges might be in the job, that you might have had a look at the values on the website and get a sense of the company and what their services or products are so that there can be some sort of personal connection in the in the cover letter that suggests that they've actually done some research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of our clients are applying for jobs where there is a requirement to write a cover letter to upload their resume and to address key selection criteria in a separate statement. So obviously this is more government um, type roles. If that is the case, do you have a sense of how detailed that cover letter needs to be? Would you still provide as much detail as you would normally? Um, so you're talking about, sorry, the the in a separate document to the cover letter? Yeah, so they've asked for a mm. cover letter, the resume, and a separate statement to addressing key selection criteria separate, which can be like a th- two- or three-page document. My answer would be, I think if that were the case, then in the cover letter you'd talk more to your motivation, so your, the personal aspect, so why are you applying, a little bit about you and why you feel a connection to the company or the organisational mission and values. So I, I'd really um, dial up the personal aspect of the application and then let that separate document speak to the key selection criteria. Yeah, I think that's great advice because the selection criteria is pretty dry. You're right, the cover letter is the opportunity to bring up a bit of personality and show that the company's of interest, that's aligned to your values and that you feel it'd be a good cultural. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else that you think candidates need to be aware of, particularly in the current job market when they're submitting cover letters and resumes? One little tip that might help candidates if they if they are going to put effort into a cover letter and inject a bit of personality in there you could consider copying and pasting it into the front of your resume so that it's one document so that then the the recruiter only has to open one document and they're almost forced to read the cover letter before they get to the resume in the one document Hmm, that's an interesting idea. I haven't actually thought about that. I have seen that before. Mm. Um, it depends, I guess. Usually they you, you could probably just upload the one document, couldn't you? It doesn't have to be two documents. Correct, correct. Mm. So that could be one way of getting around those recruiters that might be less inclined to read a cover letter. I think, you know, in a in a role where you know you're going to be up against a lot of applicants with similar experience, you're just looking for those opportunities to make yourself stand out and be a little bit different. So maybe that would be one way to sort of push, push the dial in your favour. You were to paste your cover letter into the top of your resume. So when I worked in recruitment, I remember reviewing all the resumes in hard copy. Yeah, <laughs> those were the days. It just seems crazy now. So I always had my highlighter and my list of things I was looking for. Um, So obviously I assume you're reviewing everything online these days. Yes, in an Um, effort to save the trees, yes. So does that mean that 
having a nice format and a nice template rather than it sort of looking like a complete mess. Um, but that's important visually for you to see a nice, clean document. Definitely. Definitely, because our eyes get very tired of looking at a screen all the time. So I I find that those resumes where there are a few, it's broken up. So potentially you've got some different columns and some different information running down the right-hand side that might be more bite-sized. And then you go into the detail through the left-hand column. That's a good style. There are so many different formats around. Equally, though, I've seen that taken to the extreme where there's too much information loaded into one page. I think um, some of those resume templates are beautifully designed graphically. Mm. I guess the issue is whether they're actually applicant tracking system friendly. Yes. Um, whether they can actually read them. Often you see graphics representing the skills. They might be on a little graph or, um, you yeah. know, all sorts of little graphics. And I just feel I wouldn't be confident that a system will actually be able to read those. And pick those up. Yeah, there there is a lot to be said for a good old-fashioned style of resume and you can still make it look professional in the font that you use, et cetera, and the formatting, but there is a lot to be said for that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much, Nick. It was just a short interview today, but I think there's some great tips there for our listeners. Um, it is something that I get asked all the time, so I hope that that has helped some people out there. And thank you for coming on the podcast again and sharing your wonderful tips. Thanks, Leah. Thanks for having me. And I hope that, yeah, there are some pearls of wisdom there for some people. I'm sure there will be. Thanks, Nick. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Relaunch Your Career. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review or connect with us on social media at Relaunch Me Career Consulting. If you have any questions about the episode or the work that we do, then contact us via the website relaunchme.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.